Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Aquademia Podcast. I'm Sean O'Loughlin. I'm Justin Grant. And I am Maddie Cassidy. And this is a really cool episode. Not as cool as it could be because Maddie wasn't there with us. But (laughs) Justin and I got a chance to take a day trip to Philadelphia, which doesn't sound like a big deal until you realize that we're in New Hampshire. (laughs) So we went down to Philly for like a few hours and then flew back so we could record a couple episodes with the folks over at Samuels and Son Seafood. And that is a distributor out of Philadelphia, that huge distributor. I've never been to a processing plant that has so many different species at it. It was really cool. That was my first time taking a tour like that. And so I have nothing to compare it to, but it was, it was very, cool. yeah, it was yeah. very cool. Very, very large. And they definitely know what they're doing over there. And it's, crazy to see how they organize and have all these fish moving in moving out reprocessing it's crazy and they knew exactly where everything i mean when you walk in here it looks like just a big warehouse with shelves and just full of boxes of fish and it just like willy-nilly they knew where every single thing was they were like oh this box is is full of this species from this country and this just it was amazing it was amazing to see and it was really really cool we got to put on you know the hair nets and the beard nets and the lab coats and when walk through it was pretty legit pretty cool stuff yeah the pictures are iconic so <laughs> that's because I'm not a, a man of large stature and they had extra large everything. Oh. <laughs> I was very warm though. <laughs> yeah. So this was a really unique opportunity that we had because Bill Bradford from Samuels and Son, they started a podcast as well, a seafood podcast, and their podcast is called Monger. And it's fantastic. It's a great show. They got three episodes out now. If you have not listened to it, if you if you're just hearing about it now, Go back in your search tab on your podcast player and search for Monger and make sure you subscribe to their show. Bill does a great job. They got some really cool guests. A couple episode, a couple of their first episodes were at the Boston Seafood Show. You know, we thought we were making history at the Boston Seafood Show, uh, but it was funny. It was a big day for podcasting at the Boston Seafood Show, I guess. That's awesome. So, um, they have a couple nice long episodes from there, and they interviewed a whole bunch of people. So it's a great show. It's going to continue to be a great show, and we're going to be on it. So hopefully that'll add to it, maybe. But we had a really good conversation with them, and we also had had an opportunity to get them on our show and that's what this episode is we're sitting down talking about what they do where they came from and really how a distributor fits into kind of the supply chain and just how fish gets to your plate and where they fit in so it was cool i hope you enjoy the show justin we we had a great time yeah we did have a good time it was a great opportunity to be able to i mean we got up a little early but we hopped on a quick you know one hour flight down to philadelphia and samuels and son was located located really close to the airport so we didn't have to travel too far once we landed and we really were able to maximize our day there and it was it was well worth the journey yeah and we got some delicious food we went to a restaurant and had some some of their mussels we went to a restaurant that they actually supply the seafood for yep and we had some mussels and a delicious burger that was just had a mountain of lobster meat on top of it. And it oh was delicious. Oh my gosh. So, wow. Yeah. So That's it was, amazing. it was a good day. Sure was. Yeah. So I hope everyone enjoys the episode. Remember Monger, search for the Monger podcast to learn some more about seafood and just expand your knowledge. And uh, with that, enjoy the interview. Let's talk about seafood. Welcome to the Aquademia podcast. Our diet is hurting the environment in myriad ways. I mean, we desperately need to eat more seafood. This is a pioneering industry with a whole lot of people who have really good ideas and a lot of experience and are unafraid. 
Aquademia is your go-to podcast for a fresh take on all things seafood. So we're sitting down with Joe Laspergata and Bill Bradford from Samuel and Son Seafood out of Philadelphia here. How's it going, guys? Very well. Good morning. How are you? Thanks for having us over here. And we, we took a flight this morning. We're flying out this afternoon. It's going to be whirlwind of a day. I told sure. you guys you could come in uh, Thursday night, and then we could have gone out to an account here and gotten dinner. Yeah, that would have been nice, but I think he's a little... <laughs> yeah, the problem with having two young kids at home, right? Yeah, that and the and costs and prices and everything. <laughs> Trying to get me in trouble with the wife. <laughs> yeah. Don't blame me. Thanks you could do that. that on your own. Yeah, yeah, sure. that, yeah you got that right. So we're super excited to be here because Samuels and Sons have started a podcast as well, and we are we are brothers in seafood podcast right now. Pioneers. That's right. This, they uh, they started their show right around the same time we did. I think you started recording at the seafood show. We started recording. Uh, our producer Joe and I started recording in the middle of our booth uh, the second we got to Boston, day one, and we brought in everybody. Everybody pretty much that visited our booth got on the podcast, yeah, and nice. it was our first voyage and you know it took a little bit of uh editing to get all you can imagine yeah. and um we released the first episode which featured young kim of b2 restaurants and that premiered a couple weeks ago and so i think we our latest episode was day two at the boston seafood show mm-hmm. so we're like three episodes in to uh release to the public and it's yep. every week so okay um before we get into the show a little bit what is your title? What is your role? And then Joe, what is your role? And what do you guys do here? And then we'll we'll get into what Samuels and what Samuels and Sons does down the road. But I do want to talk about the podcast first. So go ahead. What's your background? What what do you do? Oh, I've been I have actually a journalism background from Penn State, but I wanted to combine that somehow. I ended up with seafood. I they were hiring here for a marketing position, and I applied for it and. I actually didn't get it the first time. Second time I called and I called and I got it. And it, it just, it was a great combination of my love for seafood, which I've always had, even when I didn't know anything about it, and journalism and marketing. And I've been here for a little over seven years. And uh, the podcast is the most, the newest kind of addition to our, you know, our arsenal of marketing. And it's called Monger. I mean, simply called Monger. And it comes out once a week. It's, it's been great so far. Yeah, it's awesome. Definitely subscribe. Find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all, wherever you listen to our show. Listen to Monger. Yes. It, they pair very nicely together. <laughs> um, I think that's interesting that you, how you didn't. You know, I feel like this is what you hear across the industry: is you either grow up in seafood, and your dad did it, and your dad's dad did it, and all that, or you don't plan on it and you just kind of end up in seafood and you and you stay i think that's really interesting it happened to a lot of us justin guilty uh, yeah <laughs> so joe what's your story what do you do around here you you have not any much. important role uh, in this company <laughs> watches tv uh, yeah actually um so my background's a marine bio i went to long island, long island university at southampton and that was a back with the flintstones it was a few <laughs> years ago um are you and, from the long island area no i'm from philadelphia okay I've been with Samuels for 30 years. Prior to that, I was in the Gulf of Mexico buying yellowfin tuna and exporting them to Japan. I was working with a company called Royal Gulf at the time. And that was, I don't know if anybody in here is old enough to remember, that was the Reagan administration. And that was right at the uh, late 80s uh, when sushi was just starting to become popular in the United States, primarily in New York and in California. 
Um, so we were buying product directly from the boats and then shipping it around the country. And that's where I kind of cut my teeth as far as in the seafood industry, learning logistics, obviously learning the quality of the fish and doing the buying directly from the boats. So before that, I had my captain's license and I always had a love for the oceans growing up on the Jersey Shore during the summers and doing a lot of fishing. And that's where the passion came through and it kind of followed me through my life to where I am now. And uh, been here with Samuels and vice president. I've been working with Sammy, as I mentioned, with 30 years, which is basically the entire uh, entire time the company's been operating, and it's been the steady growth rate. And things have changed from a very basic product selection for the Philadelphia area, which was basically scallops, crab meat, flounder, swordfish, things you would find locally. And when I came as the director of purchasing, there was only two of us, so that was easy to be the director of purchasing, <laughs> um, I brought a lot of my... Well, I used my contacts to bring a lot of products up uh, from the Gulf of Mexico where I had worked for five years. And it was also about the same time where, you know, Philadelphia now is uh, world-renowned as a restaurant city. Many fine uh, quality restaurants, different cuisines. It just keeps building and building. At the time, it was pretty stagnant here. But it was just at the time where chefs were starting to fly around and moving in from California or coming up out of Louisiana. And it was great because they were, were that's what was driving me, uh, because the chefs, when they came here, they wanted the seafood that they were used to working with from the city that they came from. So Sammy was driving me, you got to get this, you got to get this. And then I was, uh, you know, because of my contacts in the Gulf of Mexico, I started bringing things in. First of all, I brought in uh, tuna, obviously, since that's what I had been buying yep. for all that time. And, uh, and also had been shipping Philadelphia. And Philadelphia and Boston and the Northeast was primarily used to just number three cooking grade tuna. So when we started, and this is a true story, by the way. So when we started bringing in high quality tuna, red tuna, two pluses and ones, like sashimi grade, like yeah, high, high things that you take stuff. for granted now. At the time, we had customers actually ask me, "What's wrong with that tuna?" I said, "What are you talking about? It's beautiful, this fish." <laughs> they said, "No, it's red." Uh, um, <laughs> so let's talk about what's wrong with you. <laughs> yeah, well, nobody knew, you know, yeah. and and that's kind of uh, it's kind of a good anecdote for the rest of the industry because people you have to teach people about fish. People don't know enough about food in general, let alone, you know, how many, we, we handle 300 different species of fish. Each fish has its own story, and the story is the value of the product. And in order for these chefs to benefit, to actually do their craft appropriately, they need to learn about the fish. You know, beef and chicken, and there's all one animal. We, you know, we have 300 different species, you know, and yep. they're all a little bit different. Yep. You know, it's not one size fits all. Yeah, th that literally comes up on almost every episode. Yeah. That is one of the biggest challenges that we keep coming across. So as we introduced fish, you know, we would also spend a lot of time educating the chefs about the fish so that they could use it properly get the and more importantly share that with the customer you know have it get down to the end user so they they would appreciate it especially since it's wild species appreciate the fish you know had to be sacrificed so and then and and, and things have evolved to the point we are now you know obviously we're we're uh, i always like to say the best seafood company in north america i don't like to say largest but we do have a pretty large footprint right now so there's a lot of people listening to us, so it's more important than ever to make sure that our message is accurate. Um, not only about the products that we sell, which we pride ourselves in the 
education of our customers and letting them know the A to Z where they come from. And Bill and his and his group do a great job conveying that. But we also spend a lot of time with the NGOs that have popped up probably over the last 12 years, mm-hmm. um, which is extremely complicated. Um, takes a lot of time. You really got to dive into it to understand it. And more importantly, you have to spend the time to come up with your own definition of sustainability. And then to make, it, to make it effective, you have to understand it so you can employ it to whatever your business is. And then even more challenging is to convey the value of this effort to your end user. And that's where it becomes uh, effective and you know, hopefully will save the environment, some of these species that we're talking about today. Yeah, huge. You, you look like you got something. To say. Well, it's just uh, there's so much to learn, and Joe has to be the teacher to a staff of. I mean, the salespeople are just sixty people, you know. And then there's people downstairs, but it. And that's just here. It's that's just the, you know the location of Philly. So it's a tremendous undertaking that that Joe has, and he does a great job with it. And then you know it's marketing. We have to, you know, make it public and get the like you said, Joe, the, the correct uh, the correct message out there. And it's tough, but you know I think Samuels has a very, very good job at it. You know with truth with some pizzazz you know we, we have to make it interesting in the end yeah so. well that's what it is now i mean in 2019 people want to be entertained and they don't want to just be taught so you got to figure you got to kind of walk that line of how can we engage people enough that they feel entertained and don't really realize that they're learning something well and it's hard for me because i have a great attention span i don't have like <laughs> I, I can pay attention for a while and but i i have to like all right not everyone especially nowadays not everyone has a long attention span so i have to like shorten things and uh, but i'm working sure. on it so <laughs> so you said the philadelphia location how many locations do you have uh we currently distribute philadelphia's the headquarters we've been here for 30 years as i mentioned there used to be a a seafood market across the street and about 10 years ago um, we moved into this building which was brand new state of the art and still holding up pretty good and it's really helped us accelerate uh, distribution in this area. But from Philadelphia, we distribute in approximately a 300-mile radius seven days a week. So we're going as far north, up in the southern Connecticut and southern New York. We go, obviously, from New York all the way down the coast. Uh, we, in Philadelphia, Baltimore, Washington, D.C., and then we're in the northern Virginia. We also have a location in Pittsburgh, which is more of a distribution site that we service from here on a daily basis. And then from Pittsburgh, they obviously do Metro Pittsburgh, but then they work west into Ohio. A few years back, we've opened up in Las Vegas, Nevada, and we service a lot of the casinos there uh, with a variety of fish, things that they couldn't access before. And we've, I feel, stepped up the quality of seafood in Nevada. And then um, our a location that we opened up about two years ago is located in Orlando, Florida. And we actually took an old uh, soup making facility and um, converted it into seafood. Kind of retrofitted. I didn't know that. Yeah. Really yeah. So, and, and the reason that was a find was in the fish business is a very wet industry, a lot of ice, a lot of water. So, not every warehouse has the infra- uh, drainage infrastructure. Mm. So, the, this particular building did have that. Yep. Uh, so yeah, we, soup can be wet too. Well, <laughs> it's just washdowns and it's very clean because uh, even though it, seafood's a very heavy industry, it's um, we produce fresh fish in a lot of different varieties. So there's a lot of scales, there's a lot of bones, there's a lot of curry that we call it. Uh, the other part of the fish that you don't eat has to be dealt with, and it's through our our HACCP plan and just 
from our philosophy, we want to be very clean, very safe, very wholesome for our customers because we understand that this product is food and it's moving on to the next step. So it's very important. So Orlando's opened up. We have some challenges there as far as um, I think the biggest one down there is actually educating a lot of the same challenges that we had here in Philadelphia originally is educating the Floridians in that market. Again, the buyers have, down there? Yeah, because you got, um, there's a, you know, you can imagine there's a lot of chefs coming from all over the country, even the world, to work between Orlando and uh, South Beach. Um, everybody has a different concept of fish, and uh, you'd be surprised. A lot of these chefs think they know, but eh, maybe they don't know. Or maybe <laughs> there's room for um, education. And then Florida, they have been so, as, as I mentioned before, in Philadelphia, there was, you know, crab meat, uh, swordfish, flounder, tilefish, things you find here locally. They've been kind of like, if you think about it, they've been kind of locked in in their menu. They got snapper, they got grouper, my, my, conch fritters. But outside of that, you don't see it so much on a menu, especially northern fish. So we're, we're you know, op opening up their eyes and helping them understand the products. And hopefully the main thing is to improve the quality of seafood in central and, and, and southern Florida. And so far, so good. Um, I think we're doing a pretty good job. It's been really well. Now, when did yeah. that open up, did you say? About two years ago. A couple of years ago? Yeah. Yeah, it's so, you're doing something right with the expansion. And yeah, it's yeah. been a slow growth. We only opened up part of the facility. It's a big facility. It's about the half the size of Philadelphia. But we're growing slowly. We're, we have plans. Mid-July, we're installing a new uh, lobster holding system. Uh, we find there's a really good demand for uh, North American lobster. You know, you think lobster in Miami, you're thinking um, the crawfish, the crayfish that yeah. coming out of the Bahamas mm -hmm. and things like that, and what's locally caught as well. But there's a good, de good demand for uh, North American lobster. So you can imagine the challenges and the logistics of bringing something from Nova Scotia and bringing into South Florida. So we're installing a lobster holding facility um, later next month. So that's going to be exciting. Is that demand, is that just new? That's just one of the recent changes that you're seeing um, more demand for that? As uh, maybe as, you know, New England transplants retire down to uh, yeah, Florida. Exactly they, what I was yeah. they want, they want uh, their uh, yeah. taste of Year-round people. It's, uh, yeah. year -round. it's interesting as we go to these different areas, you know, the, the demographics can be drastically different. But down there, if you think about it, it's, it's pretty obvious during the winter it's all i mean during the summer it's all locals and during the winter that's when you get the snow uh, snowbirds come down yep. mm -hmm. um a lot of people from canada a lot of people from up this way but they all have one thing in common you know no matter where you are everybody likes lobster right I mean, it's they're pretty Amen. tough right <laughs> so um so we're gonna try and facilitate that we're we're excited the uh the, the uh the equipment that's available, we have a, a 15,000 pound capacity tank here in Philadelphia, um, but that's now that's kind of antiquated compared to the technology that's available now. And, and you see it in aquaculture as a whole, and because of the advancements of aquaculture in the last 10 years, which we might want to get into later, um, we're definitely benefiting from that just for our own lobster. I mean, there's fractionators and different bead filters and things like that that yep. we didn't have before. Mm -hmm that we're hoping and expect to be very efficient with this new system we're putting in in Orlando, and then we're gonna revamp our system here in Pennsylvania with some of that same technology, yeah. so that's pretty cool. That's super cool. I do wanna talk about the podcast, but before we get to it, <laughs> um, can you guys talk a little bit about, um, you know, we mentioned this before we started recording, but you know, some of our audience may not really have any idea of how a fish gets to their plate, and what that supply chain looks like, 
you guys are you consider yourselves a distributor mm-hmm. where does a distributor fit in the supply chain in regards to how that how a fish gets to a consumer's plate what is what role do you play in that whole process how, how long is this podcast <laughs> um we have full capabilities yeah, to edit okay. down as much as you want. <laughs> well, it's a good question, and it's and it's extremely uh, labor-intensive, complex system. Yeah, if um, we can simplify it for listeners as much as possible, well, if that's possible. You asked. Just remember, you asked. Yeah. You can ask me. Um, can't ask. So let's pick a let's 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 do it this way. Let's pick a product. What what. All right. Like you wanted, like mahi, red snapper. Let's say a a, tuna. Let's say haddock. Haddock. Well, haddock's a little bit easier because that's produced domestically. There you go. So let's start there. Right. So (laughs) a lot of people eat that. Right. So as far as a distributor, we're fortunate enough that the haddock stocks are in pretty strong shape off of the New England coast, so we can access product from New Bedford and Gloucester, some of these traditional Mm -hmm. old-time fishing villages. Uh, the boats will still go out. Um, we don't buy directly from the boats. We buy from a uh, producer on shore, so he'll accumulate product from a number of different boats. Um, and they'll process that before you buy it, or do you process it? Uh, no. Well, generally speaking, a product like Haddock would come and gut it okay. uh, and on ice, on in a box, and that's what he would do. They would unload the boats, weigh okay. it, make sure that they're doing all the proper reporting to NOAA, and then we would buy directly from the uh, producer itself, which is better for us because if we had to buy directly from the boats, we would be uh, we would have to buy the entire load from the boat. This way, we can pick and choose. Uh, we've been doing business uh, with a number of people up in that area. Uh, if I'm thinking of Rhode Island, Handrigan's is an old name. Archie's been a support of ours for a long time, but they know what our our specs are, and they'll pick out the better fish for us. Uh, because we have been doing business for such a long time and a great relationship with these guys. They know what we need to use. So they'll pick it out. So the night before, they'll pack it up, they'll unload it, and then they'll put it on a common carrier, which will bring the fish down to us uh, for uh, use the next morning. So it really is, the product really is 24 hours out of the water when we get it. And that's important because the quicker that we can get the product to our customers, the more shelf life and the better quality that they'll have. Mm-hmm. So it'll come here and it'll come in in a whole form, and then uh, we'll receive it here, check it. We'll go through our HACCP, uh, Homeland Security, all the fun stuff that we're required to take care of, and then we'll put Food it, safety, right? And then we'll yeah. we'll um, we'll then uh, put it into our cutting room, which is sort of like a company inside a company, and that's where yeah. they'll do the cutting and the processing, and they'll okay. fillet it down, yep. package yeah. it up, and then it'll come back out for distribution. And then we'll put it on one of the hundred trucks that we send out there, depending on what customer. Out of the fifteen hundred orders we we service a day, and and haddock's a great fish that's kind of not as popular as it is in New England, but uh, there's increasing demand for it here. Yeah, cool. Do you have uh, processing in all of your facilities? Um, we have processing capabilities in all of our facilities, but the heavy processing is done. Here in Philadelphia and okay. in Orlando, Orlando, pretty good. And the other ones are more distribution centers. Bring yeah. it in from here and then ship it out to. Yeah, being located in Philadelphia, which people don't realize, for logistics between uh, you know I ninety fives right here and seventy six goes east and west. We have a major international airport. Uh, truckers come through here readily. There's there's good logistics. So yep. yes, we, we we supply Pittsburgh and. Uh, 
uh, Las Vegas, but they have small cutting facilities and they can do the custom cuts there uh, for their custom, local customers. And then on the aquaculture level, uh, we have a lot of partnerships with different um, aquaculture companies and producers that uh, we've been, it truly really is a, a partnership when we work with you know, some of these guys. You have someone like Pure Fish or uh, True North Salmon. Uh, they're great guys. They come in here and visit just like we're doing now. And we, we've been with them for so long and we have a very good trusting relationship. They send it from you know their facility, True North, you know I mean? That's as local as you get with Atlantic Salmon. So you know they send it straight to us, um, very fresh. I mean, it's straight from the farm to us. And um, you know, Pure Fish does a lot of the same things. They'll mm-hmm. bring it in from wherever they're, whatever product they have, you know, uh, they kind of bring it to us from the farm site and straight to us, you know. So we, we do have a good, uh, we're in, like Joe said, we're in a good position to, um, you know, bring in decent amounts so we can get it straight from the site. It's a little bit of and you guys are really particular about who you buy from in regards to sustainability and, and walking the walk mm-hmm. as, as opposed to some of these people who just claim it, right? Well, in this day and age, um, we've always been very particular, especially with my uh, marine bio background. I was very always particular of sourcing products from from uh, producers and vendors that uh, they were not so much particular, but they had a, a set of standards when they bought fish. They didn't just buy anything. They tried to stay from away from the undersized fish. I would never buy the sword, the pup swordfish, uh, back then, thirty years ago. I would always buy markers and up because we were always looking for fish that had the opportunity to reproduce. Uh, so, uh, if you saw the collapse of the New England fishery because they just kept catching smaller and smaller and smaller mm-hmm. fish, and that's the major indicator of a collapsing fishery is when all you see is small fish. So it got to the point where the Canadians were actually producing a natural cut, one cut side of cod fillet, two ounce cod fillet. Mm. So it's coming out of a half half pound fish, yeah. you know, and now you see what happened. I, I always tried to, and it was very difficult 30 years ago to, you know, I was kind of sustainable before it was cool to be sustainable, <laughs> um, you know, to pick mature fish, to deal with vendors that, that understood the same thing I did, that wouldn't just take anything out of the water and sell it for a dime because we saw what happened. So these are the type of vendors that we deal with, whether it's wild product or aquaculture product. We vet our vendors. We make sure not only on the economic side of things that they have their HACCP plan, all their government documentation in place, that we, we do our research behind it. We talk to other vendors about it. We talk to other distributors around the country. We share information there. These are the type of people that we want to deal with. And I believe because we've done that over years, that's part of the Samuel's success because we've always dealt with honorable type of people and it, it's paid off because in seafood it's never one and done it's it's about you know there's no home runs it's all singles all, all the time yeah and at some point the industry is going to catch up with that and you guys are going to be right on top so. well and that's why it's so important that organizations like BAP uh, are transparent themselves so that they can share their uh, their ideas and their philosophy in a, in a way that's easy to understand so that could, information could be transferred down to the end user so they can start understanding it, understand the value of being sustainable and sourcing appropriately, and then creating a, a demand that they understand, hey, I might have to pay an extra nickel for something, but it's it's worth it because we'll have, this this species will be available forever. I mean, mm-hmm. and that's the goal and the environment from which it comes from. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about monger. Okay. Where did this? Where did the idea for the podcast come from? It's an idea we've had for a little while. Uh, 
Sam D'Angelo, you know, the owner, his his son Anthony is a big uh, podcast fan, and you know, he he won. He's always wanted to put one on. Uh, before the podcast, we were doing a lot of like market update videos on social media, which uh, I thought was really cool. But you know, he finally. Uh, he came back from Orlando because he was working down there and he had all the equipment and then we started doing some uh, test runs and it kind of you know was his idea had some of his muscle but it is something that I had wanted to do for a while and we passed around uh, we have a very you know collaborative marketing department we, we kind of passed around the idea but you know there's there's hurdles I mean we're a fish company and now we're spending money on mixers and and laptops and microphones. So yeah. I, <laughs> we, we've been going through the same thing yeah, yeah. I was a little apprehensive so uh, but once you get the equipment too I mean this social outlet and i don't want to steal your thunder is just so unique and needed within the seafood industry and in the grand scheme of things it's much more inexpensive to push pull oh, off the podcast I, yeah, is to that. put out videos all, shh, you're gonna tell everybody we have a good thing going here <laughs> sean cut that out <laughs> don't put that <laughs> no on you're here. right it, it's such a it, it's um, you know an investment's kind of a weird word i guess but it is i mean because it's it's a it's a great way to i would say you know there's chefs on the line you know cutting or prepping or whatever they're not going to be watching a yep. video there but they could be listening to it that's, that's what i true. think you know yep. um so that's when it started very recently and that's kind of how it came up just a collaborative effort between a you know one of the creative d'angelo's and the marketing department awesome so what what is your main mission you know our mission for our show um that we say a lot is we really just want people to feel more comfortable buying and eating seafood whether that's chefs whether that's you know buyers uh, for larger companies or just consumers at the grocery store or at restaurants, we want them to buy, feel more comfortable buying and eating more seafood and understanding how to get responsibly sourced seafood. So whether it's wild caught or you know we are a aquaculture advocacy group, but we want people to buy wild caught as well. We just make sure it's responsible. Sure. Um, that is our mission. What, what's your main mission with your with your podcast? To educate and entertain the ins and outs of the industry, really, whether that be, you know, we want the right information getting out because there are a lot of uh, misunderstandings about fish or sometimes just complete no knowledge about it. But there's a range of things because we deal with so many things. Uh, uh, Responsibly, uh, responsible fishing. Uh, Aquaculture is a big one, just to really understand it. Uh, And then also just to hear from chefs, you know, different applications they use. It's not always completely about fish. It is sometimes about the chef life. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I also, we've we've had some of our uh, colleagues here at Samuels talking about what it's like here, a day in the life of a monger. Just to kind of understand what, you know, the the full capacity of the industry. And, and of course, get, you know, a good message out there about the good things going on within, uh, whether it be aquaculture, responsible fishing, and uh, NGOs such as yourselves. Yeah, we tend to be in a vacuum here. Yeah, we talk about that a lot on our show is, you know, we, everyone in the seafood industry pats pats each other's backs, but that the good things that are happening within the industry don't seem to get outside of the seafood industry vacuum, so to speak. So It's starting to, you know, it, it is which is to. nice. So, you know, the first chef we had on, uh, Young Kim, he, he, he spends a lot of time educating himself, picking out his own fish. Uh, now, where is he out of? He's a, he has a restaurant called B2. Uh, he has a couple of okay, locations right. in uh, East Norton, here in uh, well, at the outskirts of Philly, uh, Ballot Kinwood, and the other one is in Eagle View, outside of Philly. So he, I mean, he puts he doesn't just buy the fish and serve it. You know, he puts a lot of thought into the story and you know a lot of the aquaculture facts. So there are people out there that you know are very refreshing to to speak with when they, they actually do get it. Some DC chefs we have are you know. Um, we had one on here. Uh, District Fishwife is a is like a is a shop in D.C. Fiona, she was on the podcast in Boston, and she puts a lot of thought into more than just 
bringing the fish in and then selling it. So there's, there's more than just a handful of chefs that bring a little bit of hope to it. Yep. Awesome. I love it. So where do you see what's what's on the horizon for the podcast? I mean, where are you going to be doing some traveling? You're going to have some some guests in that you can talk about, or is that kind of on the hush hush? We are going to take over North America first, and then we think we're going <laughs> Noted. to. Uh, now, right now, you know, this is one that I really want to. You know, we worked very hard to put this together. You know, having um, you guys come down, and um, after this, you know, we. We actually had the guy that visit anyone that comes to our facility. I think is interesting. Uh, first, put there we 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 do tours here. Joe gives so many people tours, whether it be chefs. Uh, we do have sustainability groups come through. So anyone that comes through here, you know, is always a possibility to have on. Yeah. Uh, we also have suppliers that uh, you know whether they supply us, you know, tuna or they supply uh, you know, farm salmon. They have a very interesting story. So you know, guys like Verlasso Salmon, we'd like to have on here. Yeah. And I'm sure we will, because Bill likes to talk. So anything like that, suppliers, customers, chefs. Uh, right now, we don't have too much planned. We still have some things recorded from Boston that you can listen to. We can listen to the previous episodes and the ones coming out. Um, but anyone is, anyone's a target. And it's you the, said you're <laughs> releasing one episode a week is that the yes the it's, it's once a week on wednesdays we've been releasing them yep. you know we go go to your podcast app uh, podbean also if you don't have a an iphone yep awesome i love it so it's been good you, you've been seeing good response and getting it is some... yeah i mean it, it, we, we promote it throughout the office and you know it's important to make sure the people you have on you know that that blessed you with the time they gave you you know you kind of get them involved too so um they've been very interesting conversations it's been really neat yeah well, we appreciate you guys coming on our show as well. And I yeah. think the great thing about podcasting, and we talked about this when we first started, is um, it's so it's such a, a young media that there is no competition right now. I mean, people, there's not, not a lot of regulations around. It's kind of the Wild West, right? So there's not a lot of competition between, oh, don't listen to their show, listen to my show. Everyone's like, oh, listen to their show and listen to our show and then listen sure. to this third show because you get so much out of all of them, you know? It's great. I mean, I'm subscribed to like 30 different podcasts. So that I'm really glad that we were able to get together and kind of, you know, pull each other up and help each other get the word out about each other's shows because it's really, really helpful. That's It's a, you know, in the end, it's, you realize this, I mean, I'm sure Joe can second, it's sort of like a small industry. You get to know everybody, it becomes a, a small world eventually and you help each other out it's pretty Absolutely. neat I, I like I, from just from going to Boston the the expo you, know, you start recognizing people and you start talking the old uh, war stories and uh, <laughs> podcast is definitely a, a natural medium for this yeah and we we spoke with the um, the girls from Seafood News podcast yep. oh I Amanda and uh, Lauren yeah I think we're gonna get together with them and do a show as well and I think at Boston next year it'd be really cool to do like a seafood podcast round table we'll all get together and have one big show I think that we would be we have a really few neat. new plans for our podcast in Boston. Oh, I can't man. say anything there. All right, but uh, well, no, we'll you'll look fun forward to hearing about that. Yeah, well, you'll be involved. But uh, <laughs> you'll find the seafood news. I was on. I was on their podcast. Oh once. yeah, uh, it was like a year ago, actually. Probably this month. It was a year ago. I was on. It's really neat. Okay. Nice, nice. Yeah, we haven't. Uh, we got to reach out to them, and we talked to them at Boston, but we haven't uh, haven't gotten out to them yet. But yeah, they're friendly. They'll give you a tour nice. of the place. It's really neat. Cool. So, um, anything else you guys want to talk about that you want to get out there? He rolled um, his sleeves. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just think it's, I mean, it's great to hear about your guys' podcast here. There's a mutual admiration society here. That's nice. Um, because <laughs> old people don't listen. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I don't, I've never listened to a podcast. I haven't even listened to ours Perfect yet. Time to start. Yeah. yeah. So you'll have, to, you'll have to educate me. Um, 
but the uh, I think the I think it's a great media. I think if um, it's important what you guys are doing because if you can get people's attention, you can correct a lot of the as Bill, uh, will be said the the misinformation that's out there. Again, you guys are just sort of getting your feet wet in this industry a little bit. But um, I wanted to say about thirty years ago, I mean when when aquaculture first started. There were some mistakes made, just like with any new industry. Absolutely. And um, those mistakes and those miscalculations or, you know, the learning curve back then, they're still viable, not viable today, but they still circulate. You know, you still see it on the Internet and people's attention span is about 15 seconds. And they just see the headline and the sensationalized statement but don't take the time to go through it and they yeah, carry whether that with it's them. true or not too right so if you can get people to listen and combat that i mean if i go to one more christmas party and i get into the conversation with the person next to me and they say well what the what type of industry and i'm in the seafood business i've been doing it a while and they'll say oh i never eat farm-raised fish i said all right well you can eat whatever you want this is america we're not forcing <laughs> you to do anything but uh, I ask, I often ask that same person, I said, well, you know, where do, where do you get your chicken? You know, where do you get your beef? Is there, is there, is there wild pigs running around? I mean, wild caught chicken, how about corn? You get wild corn? I say, everything else you eat comes from some sort of farm, but yet seafood, you won't eat it and you won't even spend any time learning about it because of this idea that you have in your head that you picked up from God knows right where. from you don't even I say you know could you elaborate on it? of course they can't because it's unfounded it's uh, and the other and then I can even reverse it I said well would you eat you know giraffe if somebody served it to you or <laughs> or, or would you would you eat uh, you know cheetah of course not they say right I said well they're all wild the they're, fuzzies. they're all it. wild no yeah. one wants to touch the fuzzies right you know whatever it is so I mean it's so hypocritical and and people and I think it's changing now and I think my point is I think it's important what you guys is, is doing is great to change the tide because if no pun intended um, <laughs> pun absolutely intended <laughs> um, but if we I mean with we have nine billion people on the planet right now. We can no longer depend on the oceans for our seafood. I mean, you just can't do it. There'll be nothing left. We're very good. You know, 200 years ago, you know, you could catch a few. There'd be plenty left. Now we can pick a beer can off at about, you know, 30 fathoms. We can pick a beer can off the bottom. There has to be alternative sources if we're going to continue to eat high-quality seafood, and we're seeing it. Um, The salmon farms are very efficient now. When they run efficiently... They make more money, so it makes common sense. But they also want to. I mean, if you talk about their carbon footprint and emissions compared to uh, raising cattle, it's a fraction of what's yep. going on. Yep. It's v- very minimally impactful to the surrounding environment and, and, again, has a low carbon footprint. What oyster farms have done over the last 10 years is amazing. You know, they've made it fun again. There's a plenty of oysters. It's a high-quality protein. Everybody's starting to eat oysters again. Restaurants see the value in them. They, they serve them buck of shuck nights during the week, you know, exposing, you know, the quality of their products. Hoping, you know, and it gives them a hope that people come back for the weekend and then drop the big buck. Yeah. Um, and now we're seeing the variety where it just used to be catfish, uh, rainbow trout, and salmon. You, that would be your main aquaculture products but now we you know we got cobia that we very successful for us mm-hmm. uh pompano uh steel texas redfish steel 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 there's, a, there's a plethora of variety of fish 
And the big one is the Bronzinos, right? People love Bronzinos, <laughs> but they won't eat salmon, right? The European sea bass. Right, yeah. which is delicious, but they don't realize it's all aquaculture. And that's why it's so available, uh, so high quality. It's it's consistently priced. You don't have to worry about seasonal switches. If you're, you know, say you had an event, say you had a wedding eight months away, you could put Bronzino on the menu because you know it's going to be available and your guests are going to enjoy it. Yeah. So people really need to, I'm not here to, them just to listen to me but they need to but they are so say what, say what they well, need to hear <laughs> well I, I want them just to explore do some research themselves and then once they understand the product they can also then start understanding organizations like BAP because it's very complex you need to have keep continually educating yourself it's never over it's not one and done I mean I have to re, you have to educate yourself on a daily basis to keep up and then you have to understand the plethora of the seafood watches of the world and the uh, Fish choice and the ocean choice and the, the BAPs. I mean, it's very complicated, but it's very worthwhile and it's very important. And the and because of the uh, internet and the information's out there and readily available, but you got to take a little bit of time to educate yourself. Well, and he, you've mentioned too when we're talking about aquaculture in general, when it became a thing, that was not that long ago. And well, actually, the Chinese did. But they've been doing it for two, 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 two thousand years ago. But to the point of, but they're right but now that it's yeah commercially, and so much has changed. So we talk about um, aquaculture coming to light in the age of social media. So you know, farming has been farming, and people know what it was because they just it's been around for so long. Mm-hmm. But now we have this social media platform and everyone's connected via smartphones and tablets and computers and are reading all these these headlines but things are drastically improving and changing so you and just to your point of do a little bit of research don't base everything off of that initial impression and that's what we're trying to accomplish through our podcast is getting the accurate information out there right and 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 in a funny way in an odd way and in a good way because aquaculture took so much heat over the years, they are more cognizant of what's going on than anybody. They, uh, they are, now when you go to a farm or you go to a site, they're very transparent. They're doing everything right from, you know, and BAP with their four-star system is very important the way they break it down. And that's something else people should understand that, you, get, you know, they're, they're, they're tracking the feed, the environment, the the packaging and the harvest method, you know, top to bottom. And and also people don't understand that it also involves how it impacts the sur- surrounding community. You know, it, it, you know, yeah. if we're talking about products from overseas, is there child labor? Is there slavery? And you go into the whole IUU stuff. Yeah, the social um, aspect people just don't think of. It's so complex. And you talk about how many levels there are. That's why I was asking about if you want to talk about tuna, because that gets crazy. Yeah. And then you talk <laughs> about the importation laws. And now we have yeah. the simp rules. And the, and the KDEs that we're required to provide before that product can even move into the country. I mean, it's so vastly complex. And some people think almost too much, and that's a whole nother podcast, um, but they're in place, you know? So the main thing is that there's a lot of tools out there, there's a lot of information out there, and there's a lot of people watching out there. And and starting with NOAA, I mean, they, that, that's one thing I gotta put a little bit of a plug in. I don't think that our own National Ocean, you know, National Marine Fisheries Service gets enough credit for what they do. You know, they work with a shoestring budget, and they've pre- preserved 200 different fisheries around, you know, and improved them mm-hmm. around the, na- the nation. So there's a lot that goes into seafood. There's a lot to be appreciated, 
but a people should know what they're eating and they should know where their products come from and it's available out there readily if you want to ask and and you, people should be confident whether it's farm raised or wild the people are doing the right thing the, the systems are in place to protect these species but if you have a question ask and if you're dealing with a reputable vendor they will tell you yep, everybody's very know. transparent and if they refuse to tell you find, find it from someone else find, find somebody else exactly yep. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Bill, we're going to sit down and continue to talk in a little bit, but I really appreciate you guys coming on our show and being so gracious to us as we come here and turning the air conditioner off and sitting in the blistering heat on a 90-degree day. Yeah, it's not too bad. So um, really appreciate it. And um, if people want to learn more about you or Or Samuels and Sons or want to contact you with questions, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, for our podcast, I, I, I'm going to start having listeners email me, which is willb at samuelseafood.com. But we have a great website, too. Uh, it has a lot of information. It talks about the history of the company. I mean, which, you know, we've been in distribution for about 30 years, but we go back to the late 1800s, you know, f- fishing over in Sicily and then coming over here and opening a retail store in 1929 been a family business ever since and still is that's funny well you don't look that old i know I, it's yeah. a lot of moisturizer yeah, what's your secret <laughs> the secret is eating seafood yeah, yeah. yes eat fish omega threes uh, but you know they, they can learn about the, the history totally on our website uh social media is great they can contact contact us on instagram but we'll get back to them right away or my email like i said will be at samuels uh seafood.com and i'm happy to help anybody out joe you know, if it's a if it's a really good question, I'll just walk to his office anyway and <laughs> pretend like I know the information. Awesome. <laughs> so we'll put all that information in the show notes yeah. as well. So yeah. thank you guys so much. Really appreciate it. Oh, and thank you. Uh, thank you guys for having us. Yeah. Folks, that was our episode with the folks from Samuels and Son Seafood. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I had a great time. Like I said, real long day, but... You know, worth we, it. Yeah, worth it. We packed it in, had a great time, and it was really cool getting to see that. Maddie, I'm really sorry you weren't there for the conversation. But. Me too, but the conversation turned out really great, so I'm glad that you guys got to go down. Hopefully ta- next time we get to travel, we can all go. Yeah. Or maybe you guys can go without me, and I can just stay home and, and chill. Okay, but, I'll, I'll have a lobster burger without you. Uh, that was <laughs> really good. It was a good burger. All right, remember, if you want to get in contact with us, you can email us at podcast at aquaculturealliance.org with any questions, comments, criticisms, uh, guest requests, or topic requests, anything like that. That's the best way to contact us. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at AquademiaPod, all one word. Or you can leave us a voicemail at 1-603-384-3560. And if you'd like to support the podcast and then in doing so also gain access to a bunch of awesome features, then you should become a member of the Global Aquaculture Alliance, which you can do on our website at aquaculturealliance.org slash membership. And always leave us a five-star rating and a nice review. And if you want to be on our show... As Sean mentioned, you know, call our phone number, send us a tweet on on Twitter. We would love to hear from our listeners to get some feedback and uh, hear what your thoughts are on the show. And make sure that you check out the Monger podcast from Samuels and Son. Yep. Subscribe, rate and review their show as well. They're good friends of ours. You know, they're kind of like a sister podcast to us. So we, we appreciate you guys supporting them and supporting us. So thank you so much. And we'll talk to you next week. See ya. Bye.